Hey, Becky. Hi. So I have a question for you. Yes. What is your favorite kind of wine? Ooh, I really like Riesling. Ooh. Specifically, Beck's Riesling, because my name is Becky. Oh, I see. So yeah. it just feels like part of you? Yeah. And is that a dry Riesling or a sweet Riesling? No, it's definitely on the sweeter side. Oh, so you like the sweeter yeah. wines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so does that mean you're, you're kind of a fan of rosé? Yeah. Rose and I like is, the color pink. Right? It's kind of like so. a pink Riesling, except it doesn't taste like Riesling. It's rosé. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, right. I'm glad I'm glad you love rosé. Yeah. Because that's what we're going to drink. <laughs> Here on a new episode of Chris Tries to Review Wine. Hit it, guys. Recording live in New York, it's Chris Tries to Review Wine with your special guest, Becky Kalman. A delicious can of not one, but two roses. Musical guest, you two. Not the band, you two are the musical guest. And now your host, the man who puts the mal in mal back. Chris Barlow. Okay. Hey, Becky. Hey. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I am so excited <laughs> because tonight we're continuing Cantoberfest, the month-long celebration of canned wines. Ooh. I know. That's I'm just excited. exciting on the surface. Yeah. But, but this episode is even more exciting because we're comparing not one, but two canned wines to each other. Honestly, I'm honored. I am so happy to have you here really? to join me on this journey. And I'm really excited because they're also two very different cans. Would you just take a look and describe what what do you see here? So we've got one really slender, sexy pink one. Mm. I kind of feel like she'd be Catwoman for Halloween. And that shade of pink, it's very like, a, it's nail polish pink. Yeah. It's bubblegum yeah. pink. It's like Legally Blonde pink. Yes. Oh, it's yes. Elle Woods pink. I'm really excited for her. The other one gives me more like college football vibes. Uh huh. It's just, it kind of looks like beer. Yeah, in like a solid steel can. Yeah, with the red, the yeah. big red box. This is Rose that's saying, it's okay to like Rose, bro. Right, yeah. I mean, it is okay to like Rose, bro, but I, I don't think you have to put on any, you know, True. special airs for it. <laughs> Uh, but I'm a fan of both of these rosés, actually. I've tasted them in other scenarios, mm -hmm. but I've never tasted them back to back. And so it seems like the perfect opportunity to crown a canned rosé champion for 2018. Yes. I love it. I do too. And homecoming I think homecoming king. Yeah, you know it's October. Right. It's time for homecoming. We are about to pick the homecoming king and queen. Because what is rosé but uh, an all-gendered celebration <laughs> of drinking? Yes. And we're about to drink some right now Amen. with proper tasting technique. Becky, I'm going to lead you through it for the first time. We're starting with the Pinot Project's Pinot Grigio Rosé. I've had this before on the podcast. You can turn back your podcast dial. That's the, the physical knob on the front of your podcasting device. Turn mm -hmm. that all the way back to one of the shorts where I tasted the Pinot Project out of a bottle. I enjoyed it then. But will I enjoy it out of this sexy, slender pink can? We shall see. There's only one way to find out, beginning yes. with the sniff. Go ahead and sniff that wine, Becky. Sniff it loudly, so... We all know you're about to taste some wine. <laughs> and then look up and confidently say, what do you smell? I smell summer. Ooh, summer. What does summer smell like to you? Sweat? Garbage? No, like like the beach, like oh the good kind bridal of bridal party, bachelorette party on the beach. Mm, 
Yeah, there's actually like fun. a little oceany or something to this. It's almost like a salt water vibe. Ooh, on my nose. yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Ooh, well, great. Go ahead and take a taste. All right. Let that wine swish all around your mouth. Make a face. Let everyone around you know you're thinking really hard about this wine. And then when you're ready, tell us. What do you taste? I love it. It's very refreshing. Ooh, actually, wow. I've had this before, but I just tasted it again, and I'm like, that is smooth and delicious. It's not very whiny. Yeah. It goes down more like like a fruit juice. But it's not so sweet. Right. Like, it's not going to make me sick from the amount of sugar yes. that's in it. And you know, that is probably because this is a Pinot Grigio Rosé. And you mentioned to me you enjoy white wine. Yeah. So you're familiar with Pinot Grigio? Ish. Ish, right? Ish. It's not a super popular white. It right. is specifically an Italian white that's often really light, maybe a little acidic, mm. typically not that sweet. And so Pinot Project makes their rosé from Pinot Grigio grapes mm -hmm. from Italy. Authentic Italian rosé. I feel so fancy. Ooh. Oh my goodness. And that results in a really light colored rosé that's not too sweet. Oh, and yeah. is uh, also not very strong in that kind of wine or alcohol taste. Right. It's just refreshing. Which oh. goes along with my beach sensation. Exactly. I could, so it makes sense. I could absolutely picture like a beachside bachelorette party mm -hmm. where everyone's walking around with one of these little slender cans of absolutely. Pinot Project. Absolutely. And you know, the slender can is smaller. It's only 250 milliliters, mm. but that actually sizes up to one very healthy pour of wine, like a really good glass of wine. Yeah. And so for individuals, uh, this tiny can is a great deal. I, I agree. Right? And there's something also, you know, like the whole skinny um, idea, we're drinking wine, but we're staying skinny. I feel like the can lends itself to that mindset. <laughs> yes, it does. The skinny shape, the small size makes you feel like, oh, it's just a little wine. Mm -hmm. I can have four. It's fine. It'll be fine. I'll fit into my bridal, my bridal gown or my bridesmaid's dress. <laughs> One way or another, either because they're tiny and you're not drinking too much or because you had seven and then you threw it all up later. Either way, you fit into the dress. Amen. Oh, man. We're off to a really good start here. This Pinot Project is delicious. I would drink it again. But how will you feel after you compare it to... Oh, that industrial can sound from Underwood Rosé Wine. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Uh, Underwood is a brand that we've had in the middle of our October can fest, Cantoberfest, excuse me. There is no other October-based wine or beer or alcohol <laughs> festival. The only one is Cantoberfest. Duh. And so naturally, we've already visited the folks at Underwood through their Pinot Noir, which I drank back at the beginning of the month with my friend Ginny Hogan, and we were big fans of their tangy Pinot Noir. Mm. But how will we feel about this rosé, which is a blend of grapes from Oregon? Mmm. So maybe this can isn't so bro-y as it is hip and rustic. Also way more all-American oh, than yeah. the Italian grapes you were talking about before. Bingo. How will this factor into your tasting experience? There's right. only one way to find out, and it begins with the sniff. Go ahead and sniff okay. that Underwood. Oh, Ooh. yeah. It definitely, it definitely smells. It's muskier. A little man cavey. It does actually. That's it's just a fact. <laughs> yes. Mmm. 
like a gym bag, but maybe that's a good thing. We don't know yet. Or honestly, like my fish tank when it needs to be cleaned. Ooh, wow. Yeah. That is awfully specific. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I think it would be best if we just went ahead and tasted yeah, it yeah, now yeah. before we come up with anything else <laughs> to compare it to. Mm. It's very mild. Ah, strong nose. Wow. Light on the tongue. Yes. It's kind of smooth and almost like a little creamy. Yeah, it, it reminds me of like an Italian dinner in like a low lit setting sort of. Um, people aren't really talking. They're having like uh, pasta with a heavy cream yeah. sauce. There's yes. a lot of butter everywhere. All mm, over the restaurant. Just covered, <laughs> slathered in butter. Ooh. I have to say, I was definitely judging this wine by its smell at first, and it tastes better than it smells. Much better than it smells. It's still light, but it has a bit more a uh, body almost. Yeah. It's a little richer somehow. It's almost relaxing. You know, the Pinot Project feels more like a beach party wine. Yes. And you're right, this feels more like a luxurious dinner party mm -hmm. wine. I'm not getting up and moving around a lot with this wine. <laughs> Definitely not. I'm settling in. Yes, I agree. Uh, well, well, quick, hot comparison take. Okay. We're going to go back to the Pinot Project for a second. Take a sip. Tastes even less sweet now. Because of... The because other one. of the Underwood. Yeah. The Pinot Project is definitely the tartar of the two. Yes. And the Underwood, there's the sweetness. It's not like sugar sweet on the tongue, but when I go back and forth between mm. them, there's a really clear kind of sweet note in the Underwood. Subtly sweet. Yeah, again, yeah. not cloying. I'm yeah. not... You know, some wines you taste and you're like, I can taste the hangover already. <laughs> right. This, no, no, this tastes good. This yeah. tastes light. Yeah. Hmm. I think we're onto something here, but I don't know if I have a favorite. Oh, I definitely have a favorite just based on my personality. Oh, I want to know more. But first, I need to know about your personality, Becky. Okay, let's and you talk know, about it. I often invite people on the show so that they can tell me a bit about their interesting personalities. Great. And your interesting personality is interesting because it likes to interview other interesting personalities for your blog. Very well said. Tell me about yeah. that. Yeah. So it's called You Are Here, and it is a space designated to redefining what it means to be successful in your epic journey of life and your ever-evolving career. And so I, I don't like using the word interview. I prefer to use the word conversation. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. I already screwed it up, but <laughs> no, you're you fine. blew right through that and said I did a good job describing it. So you that's, did. That's on you, Becky. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I sit down and I talk with fellow actors about where they are in their career, what their current struggles with are, or what their current um, successes are, and um, helping people, as well as helping myself, realize that we don't give ourselves enough credit, I think, when we're, you know, pounding the pavement, we're going on auditions, we're taking all these classes, and we're seeing growth. But because we don't have that shiny trophy in our hand that is the Broadway show or, you know, the Tony Award or whatever. Or just the recurring bit role on Blue Bloods. Exactly. Whatever it is. Whatever it is for you, because you don't have that yet, 
you feel like you're a starving artist, you don't feel like you're successful. And so my mission is to change our way of thinking about that and also to erase some of the stigma around celebrating stuff that goes well for you. Yeah, I actually think that's huge because yeah. as an artist myself, I, I and perhaps this is because I'm from the Midwest mm. and I'm willing to say, I think Midwesterners have this problem worse than everyone else, but I'm terrible at celebrating the small successes along the way. Right. I either feel like it's not big enough or important enough to celebrate or I feel like it's humble bragging in some way and I don't want to be that guy. I absolutely understand. And those are two things that um, just recently in my own life have really come to light where things have happened. I've been in certain um, situations. I've had certain opportunities come my way that I've really been proud of. And it's changed my way of thinking uh, to celebrate those opportunities and those moments. I like celebrating things. It's great to celebrate things. And it's a great excuse to drink more wine. I was just going to say oh, that. I, I could sense it. I was going to say that. Yeah, you get a bottle, you pop it open, and you're like, here's to X, Y, and Z. Here's to life. Whatever, Whatever it, is, it is, I'll take it. Yes. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to that. <laughs> God. So where can people find the blog? They can find it on my website, which is beckygracecalman.com. So you're saying it's Becky Grace Kalman, Kalman with a K. Yes. Dot com. Yes. Wow. At this point, we've repeated it more times than a ZipRecruiter ad <laughs> repeats the ZipRecruiter email or Hopefully a web address. Hopefully that means it'll stick. Well, I just called it the ZipRecruiter email, so I guess it never stuck for me. If I ever needed to hire somebody, I would go to a computer and I would open up a blank email and type in ZipRecruiter.com and just hope that they find someone. Pray. <laughs> but I'll find you at BeckyGraceKalman.com. You will. Hey. See? It worked. And we're going to be back in a minute to finish our big comparison taste test, comparing the Pinot Project to Underwood Pinot Noir, right after this <laughs> very important message from our one and only sponsor, my live show, coming this November to Dixon Place. <laughs> Hey friends, Chris here. Do you like wine? Do you love podcasts? Do you enjoy listening to a podcast about wine? Or are you being forced to listen to this against your will? Well, I sure hope the answer to the first three questions is yes, and the answer to the last question is no. But even if you are being forced to listen to this against your own will, I think you're going to enjoy Chris Tries to Review Wine live at Dixon Place. It's a live recording of the podcast this November 1st at 7.30 p.m. at the Lounge at Dixon Place. That's a fancy way of saying it's at a bar. A bar where we will perform comedy. It's a crazy idea that I think will catch on soon. And that's why I've invited my friend Mary Sella to join me in reviewing the delicious Dixon Place wines. And then she'll deliver some delicious Dixon Place comedy, free of charge. That's right, this taping is free of charge. And the wines are, let's say, reasonably priced for a bar. Want to know more? You can find out at ChrisTriesToReview.wine. That's ChrisTriesToReview.wine.
dot wine or just show up on November 1st at 7.30 p.m. at the Lounge at Dixon Place on Manhattan's scenic Lower East Side. You know, the part of town that smells like fish. We'll see you there. Back to you, Chris. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. I'm here with Becky Kalman, and we've been tasting not one, but two rosés as part of Cantoberfest, America's favorite October-based alcohol drinking festival. And now it's time for this this episode's finale, really, the grand climax that we've been building to, the final verdict, where we are going to compare in a final taste test our Pinot Project Skinny Can Rosé with our Underwood Big Hip Broy Can Rosé. Which one wins out? We'll begin with a final taste of the Pinot Project. Ooh, still light. Very uh-huh. refreshing. Any changes to your feelings? You know, it's interesting. After having so many sips of both, the feeling that I'm getting is it's not as abrupt as it was when I first tasted it. It was a little like a shock the first time yeah. with the Pinot Project. It was like, whoa! An exciting like shoot of glitter. And now it's... I, I hesitate to use the word watery because I don't mean it tastes mm. like water, but it is it is a little more, no, it's nothing. It's just a little splash in my mouth. Right, exactly. Hmm. Compare that to the Underwood. You know, I think the Underwood, taste-wise, has pretty much stayed the same for me. It's pretty consistent. And, and you know, they've been getting gradually a bit warmer, sitting out right. room temperature. True. And for my mouth, the Underwood is a hair warmer than the the uh, Pinot Project, and I bring this up for a reason. With rosé specifically, mm-hmm. not just canned rosé, any rosé, any rosé will taste good really cold. The worst rosé in the world is pretty refreshing if it's really cold. The measure of a good rosé is how does it taste as it gets to room temperature. Uh, mm-hmm. It probably will taste worse, but a good rosé will still taste pretty good, pretty consistent. A bad rosé will start to taste like battery acid. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, or Robitussin, take your pick. Okay. <laughs> uh, here, I, I like both of these still, but what's interesting about the Underwood is the taste feels really consistent even as it warms up. Like, you know, if I walked into a room and I, I saw a half-finished glass of this, mm. let's assume it was mine. I'm not like George on Seinfeld. I'm not picking up people's <laughs> garbage. But, you know, maybe I am. And even if I was that person, I would see this warm glass of rosé from Underwood. Right. Ooh, there's a lot to keep track of. Underwood. And I would see the Underwood and I would go, oh, that's okay, warm. Pretty good. I would agree with you. The Pinot yeah. Project, uh, it's hard to tell yet. It's still really cold and refreshing. But does it have a lot of flavor beyond that? It's getting a little bit more acidic. That doesn't surprise me because uh, acidic or high acid content is typical of a Pinot Grigio. Uh. Yeah, and so actually it also explains, I think, a lot of what we're tasting in the Pinot Grigio rosé. If uh-huh. you like uh, a more acidic wine, lighter in body, uh, the Pinot Grigio rosé is a great choice. Right, yeah. If you want your rosé not heavy, but a little more full, a little mm. richer, uh, maybe a little more complex, uh-huh. the Underwood is also a great choice. Yeah. The Underwood is a type of wine, it was like you were saying before, where I can trust that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. If I'm sitting on the couch or I'm at a restaurant and I'm having a long, a long yes. relaxing dinner, I don't have to worry about taking it down in one gulp. Yes. It's going to stay pretty consistent throughout the whole night. Whereas 
the um, Pinot Project. Thank you, Pinot Project is more of like a party wine. Let's chug this and get on with our day. Ooh, I think we found a final verdict here. I, I'm going to ask you to pick a favorite, but mm-hmm. I want to preface this by saying the world of wine is subjective. <laughs> my favorite one day might not be my favorite another day. My favorite in one situation, yes. like a beach party, may not be my favorite in another situation, like a butter-covered dinner in the Italian countryside. Mm-hmm. You just need to know when and where you're going to enjoy it. Right. But let's pretend we're enjoying this in a void, an empty vacuum of space, deep within a black hole. Mm -hmm. There is no environment to touch us. (laughs) Which of these is your favorite in the void? My favorite is the Pinot Project. I had a feeling you were going to say that. (laughs) Why do you love the Pinot Project? I feel like it's the tequila of rosé, almost. Ooh, that is, that is an image <laughs> that would be hard to get out of my head. It just gets the party going. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of person that I am. So I feel like it jibes. Jibes. Jibe or Jude. Whatever, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the Pinot Project. Yeah. Wow. Yes. I'm not surprised you said that. Yes. But it's sound logic. I believe you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the opposite approach and say my favorite is the Underwood because it can sit out for a while. You can sip this one. And I love a good sip in wine. Mm-hmm. Plus, the Underwood does come in a larger can. Can I top you off? Yes, sir. Because there's so much <laughs> left in this generous 375 milliliter full-size can. It is Uh a big difference. I gotta say, we got a lot more wine out of this than Mm -hmm. we did out of the Pinot Project. Absolutely. That's the best part about Cantoberfest. It's a celebration of convenient, portable, affordable Mm -hmm. wines that you can drink on the subway. That you could drink on your way to a Halloween party, is what I'm thinking, honestly. Shove that in your backpack, no one has to know. And Halloween is right around the corner. It's coming up. And that means Chris Tries to Review Wine live at Dixon Place is also right around the corner. Yes. You're going to go get <laughs> drunk on Halloween, and then you're going to come nurse your hangover on November 1st uh-huh. at 7.30 p.m. at the Lounge at Dixon Place on the Lower East Side. It's a free show. It'll be less than 40 minutes long, so you can go back to getting drunk again and continue your epic Halloween shenanigans. Sounds like a great idea. I, love I know. It. I, I love think it. everyone should go. Let's all go. I'll see you there. <laughs> Sounds good. But in the meantime, you can check out Becky Kalman's conversations, not interviews, conversations. Yes, sir. At BeckyGraceKalman.com. Yes. Becky, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And I'll see you again soon here on Chris Tries to Review Wine. Sounds good. Chris Tries to Review Wine is written, directed, and produced by Chris Barlow in association with Dapper Devil Productions. You can find out more about the show and the wines we taste at ChrisTriesToReview.wine. That's right, it's ChrisTriesToReview.wine. Review.wine.